Welcome to Real Life Mentoring, where we explore real life issues to help you make an authentic difference in the world. Hi, it's Chris and Christina, and we're really, really excited today. We have um, a real life example of a mentor-mentee relationship, and David and Blaine, we're going to give some time for them to introduce them. Uh, Chris, anything you want to add right here at the very beginning? Other, nothing other than I, I am excited to hear two men in the middle of a mentoring, mentoring mentee relationship uh, that's outside of me because I, I hear it. And I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. But to hear your story, guys, I'm looking forward to it. So we're going to ask them to do two things. We're going to have them give their formal introduction, like who they are, any credentials. And then we're going to really get to know who they are. <laughs> so, David, we'll let you go first. Yeah, I'll start current. So I'm David Achada, and I have a small leadership development company, and I do consulting and coaching in the corporate world, helping companies design leadership development programs, processes. And um, I'm an author. I have a few books out there. I am a husband of uh, 22, coming up on 23 years to my wife, Amy, who's a therapist. And um I joke with her. I don't like that word. It feels so permanent. You know, <laughs> she's like, you should go work on that. <laughs> so she's Maybe a counselor. She refer you to someone. Yeah. Yeah. I like the word counselor better, but it's really a therapist. And um, my kids, Anna and Isaac are 19 and 15. We live in East Tennessee. Uh, prior to my work in the corporate world, I worked as a pastor for about 10 years. And along the way have also been involved with a number of different church plants, starting different churches. So between traveling for my corporate work and uh, in the past, the pastoral work, very full life, very full schedule. Most of all, though, I just love talking about healthy relationships, healthy leadership. And along the way, I get to meet some awesome you know, people like you and like Blaine. Great. Okay. Mr. Blaine, give us your formal introduction. All right. I should warn you at the beginning, it's just not going to be as good as David's because oh, he's so well-spoken. He said the bar. I never yeah. expected us to be kind of, you know, a side-by-side <laughs> comparison, but as the mentee, <laughs> it's a little easier. We didn't say comparison. We just no, said no comparison. But we're thinking it now. Thanks. <laughs> I am a writer and podcaster predominantly and in part a homesteader here in central Colorado. For the past 10 years, I built a publishing platform for uh, young men, had a magazine and uh, kind of a digital marketing wing. And I left that to pursue more writing, to start another teaching platform that was a little closer to what I was interested in talking about, which was the gospel of Jesus. Uh, that was only a few years ago now, so it was right at the beginning of that season that I met David. But I am a husband of nine years. I have two kids who are seven just recently and three. And then I have a fluctuating amount of animals here on the property. got some <laughs> cows, some chickens, a horse, some cats, a dog. We think one of the cats has wandered off maybe permanently again. So it really is a 
it's a fluctuating number and one of our chickens managed to hide some oh. <laughs> eggs and actually brood them and hatch them and no none of us knew it was happening which oh. you know it takes quite a long time until about six weeks ago I went to the barn and there was cheeping in the background <laughs> but no way good job <laughs> I wish you were more diversified yeah both of you <laughs> yeah. gosh how boring okay that was the formal here's the informal tell us something we would not know about you on a resume, like crunchy or smooth peanut butter, cheese, no cheese on your pizza. Let's talk about the real stuff. <laughs> That's right. Who doesn't Blame. have cheese on pizza? Come on. I, I'm going to tell you some things you might know about, might not know about David. Oh, that's better. Uh, tell when I better. When I visited David, the number of drop-ins just to say hi to people was pretty incredible. Uh, mechanics were disproportionately well represented. So while getting from a river back to David's house, we stopped in on two, two different That's mechanics. Right. One who was working on an old car that David was working on. And the other who just was a friend of David's who had um, a sweet truck in the shop that he just wanted to show David. Yeah. <laughs> I also learned from being out there that sometimes on a weekend, David will go to Walmart and hang out in the produce section just to chat with people. Oh and, my gosh. And when what a weirdo. David, you should you see to, a therapist. <laughs> you right. have to budget in like a 30%, <laughs> you know, making friends with people time allotment <laughs> because wherever you go, David's going to start a conversation, be actually curious. When I asked David, man, how did you do this? And he said, there's no technique that I can teach you because the solution is greater love. And what you need to understand is that this is all really fun to me. Like That's I'm right. really having a great time talking to all these people. And I know that I have good boundaries, so I'm not worried about their expectations so yeah it's just you know it's so fun to stand in the <laughs> checkout line at the big r and befriend the cashier mm. <laughs> okay. okay david top that so i now well i didn't plan this but <clears throat> i get to talk about things you might not know about blaine he already let he already let the the details out about the homesteading but one thing I will not reveal raw hard data, but I will go general speaking. Blaine is really amazing at trying to live on hardly any money. Wow. <laughs> I've done but, that before, but not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we've had some really neat conversations about, you know, survival mode with money. And when you get a little bit beyond survival mode and then even beyond that, and it was really impressive to me how Blaine at this phase of life has tried to really budget living simply on a little means. And so I'm really impressed by that. Another interesting thing that you may not know about Blaine is that he intentionally tries to live in such a way that's off the grid to where he cannot be reached by just anybody. And his wife does the same thing. So his wife, Emily, does have a phone, but it lives in the glove box and rarely turns on. 
wow. <laughs> of the car. And they don't live within cell phone service. They have an internet uh, accessibility, but the wireless router gets turned off when it's not being used. So those are some admirable things, you know, about Blaine and Emily. And for and you may not know this about Blaine either, but he is one of the most well-read people that I know. And so I think that he thinks I've read more books than I have because he always asks me if I've read a certain person and I'm like, silent. I'm silent on the other end. So he believes that maybe I have, you know, read it. I go, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, Blaine has walked a really wild journey from academia to intentional quietness off the grid where he cannot be reached by cell phone. And that's super impressive to me. And he's also part of a little tiny network of house churches where he helps lead one of those groups. And he and his family are committed to helping organize the chaos of being a part of families that have many, many children running around screaming in the, in a home <laughs> during a gathering of, of some sort. Anyway, they're just awesome. But I love how it, we've kind of stumbled into telling information about each other as opposed to about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so those are some crunchy peanut butter type details. I love it. No, that's that's evidence of, of some genuine conversations you've had. Yeah. And how observant you guys have been of one another. So I really appreciate that. And why we wanted to highlight you guys after we spoke with David, he was like, you know, I have this idea of why don't we talk about this mentoring relationship I have with someone in my life. And so we're excited to have you guys sort of uncover what that process initially looked like. How did it get started? then bump us up to to where it is now. Chris, you want to jump in there? Um, I'll just simply say that uh, our with our work, it's about uh, developing meaningful, intentional, authentic conversations or relationships. And that happens through ongoing uh, conversations and connecting points. And so we just want to hear from you guys today. So one of you guys want to want to take it from there and say, tell us how it started and how did you, how'd this come about? And tell us some details about what's happened in the middle of it. High high level, the, I met Blaine at a training I was doing. I, w- I was working with a nonprofit called Saturate. And this is years ago now. I don't know, five maybe. Blaine was in the training and uh, we had some good conversation. Got to rub shoulders with him off and on for a day or two. And then I ran into Blaine again years later, maybe three years later. He remembered a lot of details about me, and I remembered Blaine's face. I could not remember his name. Um, I asked somebody real quick, hey, this guy's, I've been with him in this training. What's his name? They reminded me of Blaine's name. And I just remember being really impressed that he remembered the details he remembered about my life. He was asking me details about my son, who I shared some stories about in the training, some details about people. Um, that I had talked about in the training as well. Like what's their update? What's happened since then? And so on that particular trip, I was traveling with another mentor friend of mine. So you can see the relational dynamics sort of, they come back, you know, to bless. I was traveling with someone who I was trying to learn from and I ran into Blaine who ended up saying, Hey, I want to learn from you. But as we spent some time together on that trip, Blaine and I talked a bit more and we ran into each other a little bit on that trip multiple times. And he called me and said, Hey, what you're doing with Joe, who is the guy I was traveling with, uh, would you be willing to do that with me? And so 
So absolutely, my life is open. I clear time to spend time with guys. So if you can get here to be with me, we'll spend some days together. So Blaine came my direction and and that's been, I don't know, two years maybe. So that's my version of it. Well, Blaine, let me ask you, um, what did you see that was happening between David and his mentor? And what were you desiring and needing? Great question. Because I do like to tell people that, unfortunately, the pathway to great mentoring, discipling relationship is pain and weakness. And I was, so, you know, near the end of my 20s, knucklehead in his 20s at Hawaii. It's pretty funny that I was even at, it was a training for church leaders that I got invited to principally because there was no one to go as a wingman for one of the <laughs> elders of our house church network. And Joe, who ended up befriending David, um, an older man, told you know that elder, well, uh, he knew my name. Why, why don't you just bring Blaine with you? So I wind up in a room with a bunch of experienced pastors. And here's David. And if you spend any time with David, you will see right away that he lives with an incredible amount of joy and passion uh, and excitement and peace. And it was his character. I was so attracted to a man about a decade ahead, but who plainly had vision. And the stories that he told were about ordinary life. Uh, but they were so beautiful. They were, he told stories about challenging his dentist's receptionist to a banana pudding bake-off. And <laughs> um, it was like a repent for the kingdom of God has come among you days. He rolls in before the office starts. But it's funny though, because then you're, I asked him, did you win or lose? He's actually someone else asked. He says, I got creamed. Well, years later, I tasted <laughs> David's banana pudding and I went there's no way you lost what happened and he explained it was a cold day and I served a cold pudding and she served a hot pudding and that's what happened that's, that's what right me. um but there was something about the just simply the the joy and then David would hit these really deep levels we, he and I talked earlier today and we were talking about really uh, deep and difficult realities of life, death, losing people, navigating work, uh, changing relationships. So here's this guy who is teaching about, here's kind of how you lead in a coaching way, lead via inquiry. My hair is getting blown back, but then it's the substance, it's the character of David. So I kind of just fanboyed David for a couple of years. I'd go on his website and see what he was up to. And then I heard from the elder in our church who went to that training with me, guess who's coming out to Colorado Springs on the wings of Joe, of Joe, David. I thought, no way, because also right before David left that training in Portland, we had prayed for his family outside this restaurant. And I really wanted to know what had happened, but I didn't know how to get a hold of him. So when he rolled in, I, it was a little, I was a little bit starstruck, honestly, because it was like, whoa, here is David Achata. That training made such an impression on me, on the way I think about discipleship, being led by the questions, 
leaning into what you don't know, all of this stuff that's just so upside down that David's really good at articulating. So when I ended up, when I wound up with David's phone number, you know, I had seen, it was so wild because he said, I'm here following Joe, because when I see an older man who has something that I feel like I need, I ask, can I follow you around? Mm-hmm. So you, David kind of laid out the template that I just cited when I called him up and asked, can I come follow you around and ask you questions about your life? And then, you know, we may get into it a bit, but how that went again, it was one of those transformational inflection points and how I think about leading people when I went out to spend a week with David in Tennessee, but that's how it all started. So you stalked him. I love it. Very good. (laughs) I love uh, what you referred to there about um, the substance of a person. I know, David, you had had written, explain this 80, 20 percent percentile um, about when when I hear him saying it was a substance I was Mm -hmm. attracted to your character. Would you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's um, it's probably universal principle that. 20% 20% of your strategic focus gives you 80% of your impact. And that's, you know, the business term, the Pareto principle. But in terms of the substance of a person, you know, our world really loves to um, uplift the public persona. Any media that's out there is really about the 80%. You know, it's like what this person has produced in the world gets idolized. But there was a lot of grinding, a lot of pain, a lot of life and story and experience that went into the development of the person that produced the work. And so, you know, when it comes to this idea of what changes a person, it's not the absorption of the information that's out there. Um, It's actually in time with people, real time at the table with their relationships, just to see how they do it. And um, I was talking with one of my coaching clients today and they were sharing about the organization they're in. And the CEO said, I don't believe in all that touchy feely stuff. And my, did he actually use that phrase? Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's normal because I've had that uh, asked to me as well, asked me as well. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, if I had more time with that person, I would, I would ask them what they mean by that. But, but my, my client who works with this particular CEO said, we're really talking about culture, organizational culture, and culture is just code for relationships. So we're really talking about relationships. And so what changes people is relationship experience through time. One little hour conversations is not enough. It's time together. And that's one of the reasons why I try to get deep time with people is because not only do I know that's what changes people, but it changes me. I mean, mm-hmm. Blaine is so gracious to share a lot of those things. And I'm always flattered when he shares the things that he notices, but it's reciprocal because I'm changed, you know, by time with Blaine, my family was changed by time with Blaine. And um, it was an absorbing the substance of who he is as well. That was a real blessing to us. And so I think that even from a, you know, discipleship uh, standpoint. Um, Unfortunately, most of the church in our society has missed the boat on this. 
it's it's a Sunday gathering, it's a study. Um, but you know, what would what would the church be without the 501c3, without the website? What would it be without a worship service? It would be in the best possible sense, relationships um experienced, you know, by people who do deep time together. So anyway, so that's what it is, is um, Blaine and I have talked a lot about how when people want a mentoring relationship, they usually don't know what they're asking for. Um, oftentimes they think they're oftentimes what they're saying is, will you notice me? You know, we care for me. So maybe they don't really need a mentor, though a mentor can do some of those things. But underneath of it all, what great mentoring is, is we do some deep time with me. And by doing so, it'll rub off. It's like C.S. Lewis says, if you want to get warm, you get near a fire. Just like if you want to get eternal life, you get near the, the one who has it. He says that in mere Christianity, I think. That's what this is about. It's about getting near to the people who have what you want and allowing it to rub off. I just think it's profound that lots of people don't. I love Blaine that you had the humility um, to go, oh my, there's something in him that I would really like to learn about. But it's equally impressive, David, that you were like, I, I intentionally make time. And I think that's a quality that in the church we're we're too busy, you know, and I hear you both going, this was priority. We are intentional about setting our schedules to create space for this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell us, Blaine, after that, following him around, what happened next? What were the next steps or what were you wanting? Because it could have gone the other way, like, Ooh, this is not what I thought, but he, <laughs> right. Like he, he showed up to those places and you were like, okay, I'm left. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Obviously it feels like you were left wanting more. What did you do after that period of following him around? Well, let me say first that with men that I've mentored in the past, and I still do it, I ask them two things. What do you want out of this? And what do you need? Because it's, it can be, it's different. And mm -hmm. yeah, what do you want and what do you need? So, yeah, take it away, Blaine. Yeah, those are great questions. David asked me those two questions. They're not at the same time when we were together. <laughs> Our first night in Tennessee, we're rolling down. You see the confidence, the professionalism of David. You would not understand how redneck he also is, how backwoods. And so we're rolling down the back roads of backwoods, Tennessee. And he, you know, puts a hand over and goes, Blaine, why have you come? That's right. Why have you come? Let the kind of let the desire, let the answer to that question begin to mm. surface and then later we were on a hike in the woods and he asked what are, you, what are some of your main needs in the season that you're in that's a question that i've come to love asking myself asking other people some of these you gotta file away because they're so valuable and i was really nervous to go see david because i had never also to find someone who had time is a rare mm. thing i expected david to invite me to blitz through his world and I thought, I'm going to airdrop in. I want to see one of your small group gatherings. I want to follow you around through a weekend, and then I'm going to get out of your hair. And mm. David said, to see my life, if you want to see my life, you probably have to come for about a week. I thought, no way. Also, my wife is never going to sign off and be going for a week. <laughs> but I told her about it, and she was kind of so shocked by the invitation. 
Mm. We decided let's do it. I, I mean, who, who does that? Again, you see David has become the kind of person who is to me worth emulating. There's a story there. And what we mostly did in Tennessee was David mostly told me the story of uh, you kind of have to go where you most don't want to go. What are you hoping won't come up in the path to becoming the kind of person you want to be? What in your story do you want to run away from? You're going to have to go there. And it's by going through that, taking the low road that you will actually take on the nature that you are most interested in taking on. And, and I got to say, it's it's the texture of these things. It's the substance where we weren't having these conversations by text message. We pulled up to a concrete pad in the middle of the forest, nothing around. The road was in really bad shape. David goes, guess what used to be here? I don't know. It looks like a concrete pad. And then he tells me the story of, I would ride my bike down that hill to this convenience store. And he told me the story that had been taken away by a tornado. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a part of this story. His pastoring career was a part of this story exchanging the false security that we can arrange for ourselves for the absolute insecurity of life with God, in which in Bonhoeffer's phrase, we find the only true security. It's an amazing thing to read in Bonhoeffer. It's way better to be with, you know, a man a decade older than you living a life that I would not mind living, telling me about the moment when he realized that that was true and what it took to respond to that moment. They say, right, that you should never take advice from a person whose life you wouldn't want to live. Well, I got to get inside David's life and look around and say, you know what? If 10 years from now, my life looked more like this, that would be great. That's good with me. It might not look exactly the same in my context, but the priority of the life with his kids. I mean, he picked me up at the airport. He brought his daughter along. We all went to Walmart. Um, yeah. Did you get stuck in that produce section? We well, actually, I think we did. Yeah, you don't go anywhere without David and not make a friend. So, but it was I. Came, we came back. I came back from that, and again, I didn't expect David to be relationally available because who's relationally available? It's interesting that I think the development of our relationship has been a lot more of calling attention to something that is happening than me going to David and asking, will you be a mentor? And what I mean is, will you be my therapist and spiritual director and surrogate dad? Uh, (laughs) No, uh, actually, what kind of began to just emerge relationally is we're friends and our conversations are really interesting. And David has walked a difficult road and put in the time that I can ask him about some of the things that just come up when you're earnestly trying to build a healthy family culture, for example. And so being in Tennessee, when David had time for a phone call and kind of wanted to connect, I was pretty surprised. Um, I was excited about it. And I think it was probably six months before I realized, oh, I think David and I are friends. And (laughs) then the question for me became, because I'm very interested in having a good friendship with someone like David. I just often ask myself the question, what would a good friend do? And try to do that because I'm not a great communicator. I'm very in process in so many levels. So even showing up in the way that's needed on the mentee side, 
is a regular challenge. But just by, you know, David has good relational skills and try to copy what he does or just ask, man, if I wanted a few years from now to have a great connection, an open connection with David, where he had some eyes on my life, actually, um, it's an enormous relief to have some older people really know what's going on and just be able to comment on your life. What would I do? And then try to do that thing. She has mostly looked like sending him book recommendations and taking occasional <laughs> phone calls. I, yeah, there's so many things I'm left with thinking. Well, I, I can say just from hearing you talk, Blaine, David has obviously never made you feel like a project because you would not be speaking about him the way you are with the countenance on your face had he done that. Oh, yeah. It's very clear that David's awesome. Like, um, I feel so much brotherly love for David. And I also know that David feels brotherly love for me. Um, yes. and so letting that kind of be the reality, it makes it much less transactional, but I put, but right, David, I mean, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Blaine, you're crossing over and doing embarrassing me a little bit. telling all these great stories. What I've been wanting to interject the whole time is I just keep wanting to highlight the reciprocal nature of it on Blaine's visit here some time ago, I, on his last day, I, I said to him, I said, you know, you're really interesting. You know, I, this isn't like, I'm not trying to use you for something like you're genuinely an interesting person. You're worth it. You're worth the investment. And cause he, I think, I think said to me a couple of times, thanks for making the time. I know you're busy type thing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't make any time. You're interesting. <laughs> this is actually how my life looks when I am at my best, you know, clearing time for these types of relationships and, and you're worth, you're worth the investment and you're, you're an amazing person. So totally reciprocal. I was just going to highlight, yeah, that reciprocal piece. And I think, yeah, we could do a series of podcasts on what if the church um, took these relationships, made the intentional time to to be like Jesus. I believe that's what the 12 were going. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I just want to be more with you. And in my own life, when I, I didn't realize I was a mentee, Blaine, but a older woman, 12 years older, who at 46 hit rock bottom in her life. And she went to bed one night, not knowing if God was real, crying out, God, if you're real, I need you to save me. And she had this radical transformation. She just, Jesus was all she had. And she'd lost her family, her adult children. Uh, she was just at rock bottom. I got the privilege of meeting her about six months later and here I am, this young mom with little kids and frazzled, and she entered. She didn't need me to get cleaned up or bring my Bible. She she entered my space, and from what she lost, gosh, it's going to make me, ah, what she lost, she freely imparted to me. It was her mission. She mm -hmm. lived missionally to give away, and uh, last November, or yeah. A few days ago, we celebrated her one year anniversary of being in heaven. She died suddenly. It was unexpected. Mm. And now that she's gone, I carry this sacred, this sacred mission to what she so freely gave to me. 
that I'm intentional, David, for my my friends who are younger to say what Blaine is saying, you know, like, and one of them on the year anniversary of my friend's death sent me a card. She's a young woman, 10 years younger than I am. And she said, I never met Marty. Gosh, I didn't mean to go here, but <laughs> I never met Marty, but I'm reaping the benefits of her so graciously sowing into your life because you're giving it away to me. Mm-hmm. And that's the gospel, right? Yeah. And so I think the Big C Church, we could grab a hold of. It's not a trendy thing. There's not these qualifications you require. It's being what you guys are so eloquently Mm -hmm. speaking about and giving what we have. And it's so precious and more sacred, maybe not more sacred. When it costs us something, it's not cheap grace, right? When it costs us something, it's even more valuable to give away. So yeah, I, yeah. I think you guys are illustrating that so right. profoundly. Thank what you. would you guys say to someone who says, you know, I can't imagine being a mentor to someone else because I have my own problems and struggles. What, what would you say to that? Mm, Blaine, you take it, man. Come on. I just nose goes to you, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> man, I, I don't know. I, I mean, right off, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> What's the problem? the problem i think a lot of people face is that they're they're too inside their own details you know for me one of the the things that i try to get people to believe is that when we insert healthy practices into our lives it crowds out the unhealth health begets more health Mm. and so for people who say i don't have time for it blaine and i've talked a bit about this idea of of crafting a rule of life. And it's this, it's this idea of having on paper, the practices that are going to sustain you in your life uh, as a healthy person, as a healthy disciple, if you're a Christian Um, and everybody already has one, everybody has a rule of life. It's just some people are reactive with it as opposed to proactive with how they want to live. And I would challenge people to say, okay, you don't have time for it. That's fine. Write down what you do make time for and what's important for you and just look at it and see if that's okay. See if that's enough. And likely it won't be if you have, if all you can say is you have your own problems to deal with, but clearing time with somebody else is not just about output. It's like, I used to, I used to think about my own, you know, family life as an example of, Oh, I got to be a good leader in my family. I got to take time, my wife, my kids. And those are things are true. But it wasn't until I had a mental breakdown seven or eight years ago now that I realized, oh, they have a lot to give me. Mm. Their presence in my life has a lot in it to bring me to health. And so for the conversation we're having here for mentoring, the person that you invite into your life has a lot to give you. I can say that in my time where I visited Blaine or he's visited me, I didn't leave there necessarily feeling exhausted. I left those experiences feeling quite filled up by watching how his presence blessed me and blessed my kids and blessed my wife through his listening. A lot of times I think that people are afraid that they're just going to have to stare at each other for a couple of days straight. (laughs) And, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer that if I wouldn't want to, like if, if the experience I'm creating for someone does not feel like good news to me, then I'm not going to do it. 
I can't sustain something that is not like I am. And therefore, you're going to attract people who are like that. And so that would be what I would say is like, you got to get outside of yourself, craft a better rule of life. And by the way, there's a lot that you have to receive. It's not just about what you can give. It's about what you can receive. Several years ago, a young man I was mentoring looked really down this day, time that we met. And uh, he he looked at me, says, Chris, uh, thank you for mentoring me. He goes, I know I've got a lot of problems. And I knew the Lord told me to quickly tell him, I don't mentor you because you have problems, because I do too. I mentor you because you have great value. And it is, it's worth it to me, the time we spend together. I receive from you as well. So uh, that, that's a mindset. Sometimes I have problems. Okay. We all do to a certain level. So therefore I need a mentor. It's so much more than that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's so good. I'm really glad you two are sh- jumping in with the stories you are too, because they're so beautiful in particular. I'm so glad it came up your mentor who passed away a year ago. That's just an amazing legacy. It's interesting. Well, I would, I, just double down on a couple things that David said on our very first phone call. David did say that busy is the new stupid. And <laughs> we do have to say unhurrying is non-negotiable. It's honestly, so whether you're looking for a mentor, honestly, or whatever the relationship is, if you want higher quality relationships, we just got to say, and people already know this. So hopefully We're already trying to do it, but it's not easy. Our boy, John Ortberg, asked the phenomenologist, Dallas Willard, what do I have to do to be closer to God? And Dallas Willard famously responded, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. John Ortberg writes it down. Okay, what else? Dallas Willard, that's kind of it. (laughs) And and then as John Ortberg narrated the fruit of doing that in his life with God, his relational world, creating healthy patterns, it really did begin to change everything. So I would say, full stop, if you, like me, are interested in developing a healthier relational world, you have to unhurry. There's kind of a joke that, you know, I was going to visit David and then I, just last week, then I read his book and it was the prompt I needed to cancel a trip and go with my family to a cabin instead. Mm. And my kids threw up the whole time and it was freezing cold and snowy and it still felt restful. And I told my wife, you know, I'm not pacing well when you feel like it's more restful to be throwing up for two days in the cabin with the kids. This is Mm. one of those, even a person like me can see the problem. So I'll say it's a moving target, at least for me to pace down to the rate where I'm relationally in a healthy place and therefore available to healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And at the risk, I know I'm kind of soapboxing here, but I would say the great thing with David is just changing what it is that we think we impart there. David is kind of like a Pez dispenser of wise sayings. Like there's a lot that comes out, but it honestly does not stick as much as narrating failure mm-hmm. and what, the experience of submitting to the process of transformation did for him. I think the best image for this comes from, uh, there's a scholar, theologian. I mean, his book is uh, A Grace Disguise, Jerry Sitzer. And he said oh, that yeah. the problem for so many Christians uh, in a difficult season is that the sun is going down and they're chasing the setting sun. 
what you have to do is turn around and run into the darkness. Mm. Uh, when it comes to what it is that we think we're going to impart, isn't it Brene Brown? No, wrong one. It's um, Ruth Haley Barton, the greatest gift we bring to the world is a transformed self. Mm. And so unhurry and then let the weakness actually lead to a certain extent what you are imparting. It just makes the person who goes, man, my life is a real mess right now. Uh, such a fertile ground to mm -hmm. be able to impart so much of the character of God. So it seems like a good sign. Mm. Do you see why I'd want to have Blaine come over to my house? Come on. Man. <laughs> I want you, I want you <laughs> both come to our house. <laughs> well, and I mean, okay. what I, th I want to just keep going for a moment with what Blaine said about you know, the quality of really great relationship like this, because Blaine has a, a book coming out. He's an aspiring writer and, and I hope it'll do well. But because of that, he's had a really crazy schedule. He was supposed to come out here for something and then come over here to see me. And he texted me last minute and said, Hey, I was reading what you wrote. I've, I'm, I'm in more in the business world. And um, the new book I put out is called executive retreats for busy business leaders. So you can tell it's really focused on a narrow group type of person but Blaine was reading it uh, for me to write a review. And um, the last chapter in the book is called Go Away With Your Family. It's about four disciplines of, to be able to sustain health. And it applies to everybody. What I've been telling Blaine and what I tell people in the corporate world is the higher you go in any organization, the more emotional weight you carry. And if you are not steady as a person, you'll break. And it's the same with fame, money, power. The more of any of those three things that you have, the more emotional weight you'll carry. And so Blaine at this point in his life is starting to feel the weight of some of those things. Mm -hmm. And I was so sad that he couldn't come, but I was very honored and very happy that he would say, it's because of what I read in your book, I decided not to come because okay. I realized the pace I was living at was not healthy and it'd be better for me to cancel these things and go away with my family. And I can't quote the exact text messages, but we exchanged a number of text messages just about the importance of what he was up to and how those are the things that help you create a life to where when your kids are grown up, they'll still want to be with you. Mm. So from that perspective, the relationship is doing its work. Such an honor to have somebody cancel coming to see me because they read what I wrote in one of my books. <laughs> mm. So I was honored by that, Blaine. I wish you could have been here, but I'm glad you took time to go watch your kids throw up. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say earlier? No, uh, any any closing thoughts? Let's have Blaine, Blaine tell us uh, briefly about your book. Oh, thank you. I wish that David had read it already because he's so good at explaining things in a short way. <laughs> I am less good at that. My book is an epic introduction to the story of God in the Bible told by an extreme history nerd. And are you the nerd? Yes. <laughs> okay. And what's the name of Unfortunately and unfortunately. So for example, the greatest probably conqueror of all time is the last King of Anshan. He was this backwoods king who shows up in the Bible under another name. And be, he's actually in the Bible called Cyrus. But after he died, there was a difficulty in the ascension of the Persian kingdom. 
Ika and in this complex story recorded by this historian named Herodotus, they learned that this functional wizard had almost succeeded in staging a coup. His name was Bardia. And Bardia was a magus, the plural of which is magi. And the tradition of the Magi originated about 100 years before the Persian Empire, but it rolls right into the New Testament account when a group of Magi show up looking for the Messiah. So when I, I just learned several years ago that when I read old things and the story of God in the Old Testament in particular, it's very different experiences. I'm just a nerd to someone who's maybe less familiar with the way ancient literature works. And so it was my attempt to take what is unfamiliar in the ancient world of the Bible and make it appreciable to my wife mm. and to people in my church, principally because the whole Bible serves to set up its singular revelation, which is Jesus as, the, as God incarnate. So it actually, you guys, it came out this morning. And, oh, we did. Okay. Um, I would say this morning, this is being recorded and it'll be posted later, but I know, but for you and I, it did. So right, today is November 1st, 2023. It's called The Paradise King, The Tragic History and Spectacular Future of Everything According to Jesus of Nazareth. Sounds pretty epic. Yeah. What else before we close? Uh, David, do you want to reference your books as well and how people can find out about uh, ordering them and get in touch with you? Um, I have three books. One is a book I wrote on grief, and um, that was my first one. And um, it's called In the Caverns and really sort of spawned my writing in a muscle. Um, I've written a few business books this last year because I wanted to get some things out of my mind and onto the page of things I talk about a lot. So one of my business books, the first one was called Embrace What You Don't Know. And it's really the story of me stumbling into the corporate world and the stories of how I've found stability in my life, leadership, and how you create stability in organizations. And it's um, uh, part one, and there's a part two to it called Executive Retreats for Busy Business Leaders. And that's really about the disciplines uh, to create a stable leader. And um, those are on, those are all, I, I think, anywhere. So Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million or wherever working on some other things. I want to get back to some faith-based writing, but I did want to do the business books to, to get them out there. And you can find them on any of those book websites or on, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on my website, which is achatacoaching.com. And my focus is not primarily on mentoring, though I do have mentoring relationships like with Blaine. My focus is leadership development, but I do a portion of my business where I take executive leaders away on retreats for short retreats because they're busy people. So one to two days and we go away and we work on things like values and figure out like, what is the quality of your voice? How does it manifest in your organization? You live a hard life. So how can you sustain it? Like you uniquely can sustain it as opposed to doing something somebody else told you you should be doing, which will exhaust you and burn you out. So that's how you can find the books and some of my work. I would love to connect with anybody if they want to talk more about the content in this podcast or even leadership development work. Uh, while you guys were talking, I tried to make mental notes and then I got lost. So I wrote down a few key words that I so I felt you guys illustrated so well, the, the value of taking time for one another, 
I mean, time is so costly and it seems like you guys create that to give that to one another, the intentionality of how you're both being intentional with one another. I love how you both address the power of story and not shying away from the the hard bits mm-hmm. and the, the scary bits. And um, I'm so over my story. I lead with all the gruesome things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want people to know God's so good. You know, like you see this exterior, but let me tell you the hardest parts because it just highlights his goodness. And I just think we could do a whole other podcast on, we want to debunk the myth that mentoring mentee, it's this whatever relationship. You guys are friends at the end of the day. That's this beautiful relationship. Mm -hmm. And I love how you highlighted that. And I just think that is a great period at the end of a incredible story. And we're so, so grateful. You guys freely spoke I love how you speak about one another. So, yeah. Yeah, oh, we're, thank you. We're really appreciate the time with you guys. And so thankful for the connection that we get to do this today. So anything else? That's it. Thank you guys. So you're welcome. welcome. Yeah, thank you. This has been so fun. I'm also so grateful for the two of you and that you do the mentoring you do. We pray so often in our church that Jesus would bring in Uh, multi-generational leadership because there are frankly not that many people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s who want to get around younger people to talk about being transformed. So I'm so glad that you do what you do. And thank you for letting us come on and talk about our friendship. We we love it. Yeah. You want to close this out? Yeah. Well, as always, thank you guys for listening. Uh, We will give all the information in the program notes. So David and Blaine officially, thank you so much for tuning in. We want to thank you as always for listening. If today was helpful, if something that you listened to was helpful, we would really love it if you would go to Apple or Spotify, leave us a review, download, subscribe, and for all things related to podcast. If you'd like to give a financial contribution to help us continuing bringing this sort of broadcasting to you, just go to FahrenheitMentoring.org. 